Brian Barnett is just a regular guy. He's not a doctor. He has no legal license in any field of mental or emotional health. Brian Barnett merely shares the insights he's gained from his personal experiences for anybody who may choose to use such information as he or she personally chooses, while accepting full responsibility for his or her own individual thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and actions. Brian Barnett assumes no responsibility whatsoever for anybody's individual choice to expose himself or herself to any information that Brian Barnett shares, and by listening to this program, you're acknowledging that you, and only you, are responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, and actions. So here with my after supper, espresso, life is good. I'm happy to be alive. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome back to The Last Symptom. I'm Brian Barnett, the creator of The Last Symptom and the weekly host of this show. I've got a few quotes to get us started today. We'll see if you can identify with any of them or if maybe they bring some value to your life. The first one goes like this. One, oh shit, takes away 20 out of boys. That was from my my late mentor, Dave Selvage. One oh shit takes away 20 attaboys. If you're not uh, familiar, attaboy is just a way of, uh, you know, attaboy, that's a good way to go. Good good job. So <laughs> the saying is saying uh, one screw up undoes 20 instances of high praise for things you've done right. <laughs> Here's the next one. The cure for anything is salt water, sweat, tears, or the sea. That's from Reader's Digest in 1964, and it's a quote by Danish author Isaac Dennison. That's the pen name. Birth name was Karen von Blixen. And another one by Karen von Blixen goes like this. Of all the idiots I have met in my life, and the Lord knows that they have not been few or little, I think that I have been the biggest. That's uh, from Journey Through Womanhood, Meditations from Our Collective Soul, 2002, by Tian Dayton. Here's one by uh, actress Sean Young. You know her as Rachel in the film Blade Runner. And I wrote this down because it was just, it touched me. Uh, You know, I've been through a similar experience, and I I could kind of identify with exactly what she was talking about. But uh, actress Sean Young says, The more I tried to defend myself, the crazier I looked. Even though that's not really fair, what I learned quickly is that fair has nothing to do with it. It's all perception. It's all what people believe. It's not really what's in fact accurate. Folks, it's so nice to have you here with me this week. I realize we've officially entered the holiday season, and I'm sure many of you have your minds in a dozen different places at once. Even I myself have had my mind split lately. I got plans to spend Christmas and New Year's at the beach in the Carolinas, so 
I'm getting anxious for that and impatient. It'll be my escape from winter for a week or so, and I'll get to enjoy the ocean, putt-putt golf, a couple of books, probably too much food and bourbon and so forth. Today, we have a real nice discussion about quiet borderline personality disorder, which may be a bit boring for those of you who've been following me for several years, but I'll try to include interesting things even for you long-time listeners who may have heard some aspects within this discussion before. So thank you, by the way, for keeping in mind the nature of my audience here. We have folks who will hear this episode as their very first exposure to me and my work. So every once in a while, it's useful for me to address some of the fundamentals of what I teach for listeners like that. At the same time, there are those who have been listening to me for a long, long time, and I have to keep those of you who fit into this category in mind as well. Also, uh, as I mentioned last week, I, I've got a new microphone, and so I'm still not entirely comfortable with it. i got it all set up the way I like it now, but um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be certain about the sound until I've edited it edited the show and published it and uh, by then it'll be too late if there are any sound issues uh, that's when I'll know about it for sure now when I'm just sitting here recording you know I can do checks and I can do all that but uh, it's not the same as actually having it uploaded and then hearing it through several different types of speakers and that sort of thing so I appreciate your patience as as I work to uh, fine-tune my experience with this new microphone. I'm wondering how many of you out there remember a few years ago when the things I had to offer you to uh, to anybody, those who listened to me, was very scant. <laughs> what I had to offer was very scant. Back then, when you'd listen to this show, it was pretty simple. I'd mention my Facebook education group, And that was about all I had to give you. And now, I struggle to find a way to talk about the resources I offer the public without sounding like one of those early morning info commercials that go on for an hour talking about various products that they're trying to sell you. So let me see if I can do this as brief and as effective as possible. I have a website loaded with free resources. It is thelastsymptom.com thelastsymptom.com There you can donate to support my overall body of work and I want to thank those of you in a sincere way who have done this recently. This episode of the show is for you. Also, I offer three paid services and they go like this. One, one-on-one phone conversations with me. Two, one-on-one Zoom video meetings with me. And finally, three, which is brand new, the two-week intensive pre-recorded program called The Last Symptom Fundamentals Course. You know, since we're in the season where people are thinking about giving other people stuff, if you're thinking about giving a gift that will keep giving for a long time and will do a lot of good, consider going to thelastsymptom.com and either sponsor an enrollment 
in the last symptom fundamentals course you can do this for a total stranger by going into the sponsor donate tab or you can purchase enrollment to the course for any specific person you personally know and care about who you think could benefit from this by going into the paid services tab and then what you do is you just purchase enrollment like for yourself and then you would provide the person that it's for with the login access information that you create the last symptom fundamentals course is far superior informatively to anything like dbt again all these things are available at thelastsymptom.com where I'm at, there was snow this week. How about where you're at? I know that uh, up north there was some snow. I know that uh, in various places there was snow. So uh, if you were somewhere where there was snow, I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. I can't tell you how nice it was. What I enjoyed about it was I opened up my door, but I had my wood stove cranked, and so the snow was fallen pittering and pattering outside and uh, I had all but a soft lamp on a candle the heat from the wood stove and got to spend some time writing in my journal sipping tea now those of you who know me pretty well you're probably thinking yeah I bet it was tea it was probably bourbon no it weren't bourbon I was I'm on a diet and uh, I think I've mentioned in the last couple episodes I've, I'm down over 20 pounds now so I'm pretty happy about that, and uh, it's not that I've given up drinking entirely, but uh, it's just reserved for special occasions, so um, maybe once every couple weeks or whatever. Also, uh, some of y'all know my dog, Orson, and Bradbury, of course, the, the old feller, but Orson's the new dog that I highlighted in several episodes a few months ago. Well, he's doing just fine now. Uh, he's seven seven months old now, eight months and this was his first snow so when he come out and saw the snow he was just like a little kid he didn't know what to think of it all but he liked it <laughs> so uh, so we had some fun in the snow I have a tradition that I've been carrying on for gosh oh 15 16 years now and the way it goes is this uh, I always drive a 4 by 4 full drive not an all-wheel drive, a four-wheel drive. And so on the first major snow of any year, of any season, what I'll do is late at night, I'll load up my my 4 by 4 with survival gear, wool blankets, candles, water, maybe a little bit of bourbon, things like that, and uh, enough that uh, if I get into trouble I'll have everything I need there where I can just shelter in place until I come get dug out but then what I do is I take the 4x4 back into on the back roads and I go back as far as I can on the deepest back roads in this snow riding around in the four wheel drive and I almost dare mother nature to get me hung up out there yeah i would almost consider it a uh, a privilege 
to get hung up back in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night in a snowstorm with all my survival gear because I go prepared I am prepared for everything so I almost dare mother nature to hang me up and so far it hasn't happened but I'm, I'm sure it will one of these days I remember my dad saying years ago that he never got hung up you know he never got stuck until the day he bought a four-wheel drive pickup truck <laughs> ain't that how it goes <laughs> And the reason for that is because we guys, especially, when you get a 4x4, you think you're invincible. You, you really want to test it. You want to see just what that, that baby can do. So uh, I can't remember if I told you that, uh, you know the song American Pie? Bye-bye, Miss American Pie. Drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry. Well, my dad used to do that. The guys back then, they'd, they'd take their truck. They wouldn't take them to the, the car wash. They would drive them right down into a creek or a levee or a river. Probably not a river, but a creek for sure, streams and stuff like that. And uh, that's where they'd wash their, their trucks. And then they'd pop it in the four-wheel drive and pull right on up out of there. Well, anyway, I'm getting a little off there, but the point of the story is that that's my tradition first huge snowstorm I load up my I'm driving a Wrangler right now Jeep Wrangler so I load up my Jeep Wrangler full of supplies and I'd head out for the back roads no matter how late it is well you've heard me talk a lot about my ex-wife Diana and uh, you know you might think that my thoughts of her verge on adoration or you know worship but you know it's not true uh I recognize a lot of her faults and stuff. I just, I love her despite the faults. But I will tell you one story related to that is that one night in Philadelphia, this would have been probably 2006, 2007, we got this enormous snowstorm. And it was coming down late at night, and it was about, uh, oh, I reckon 9 or 10 o'clock at night. And at the time, I was driving a, an off-road Toyota Tacoma 4x4 so while she was in the house I pretended to take out the trash or go out to my studio or do something like that and what I did was I loaded up my my pickup with uh, blankets and candles and wine uh, some bourbon the wine was for her the bourbon was for me and my plan was to do this with her I was going to say, hey, come on, let's take a ride. And I was going to take her out on the deepest back road I could find in this snow, pull up into some farmer's field and park there, and I was going to make love to her there in the dark, totally isolated out in the middle of nowhere, with the snow falling all around us, uh, just in all of that silence and beauty. And I thought, this is just going to knock her socks off. She's never going to forget this. It's just going to be the, the greatest experience of her life. So I, I loaded up the truck, got everything I needed in there, and then uh, I went into the house. I said, uh, put your, uh, your boots and your, your coat on. I want, to, I want to take you somewhere. She said, where, where do you want to take me? I said, well, I don't want to tell you. It's just, come on, let's just go. I'll show you when we get there. Well, where do you want to take me? Well, just just grab your jacket and your 
put your shoes on let's go I'm not going to tell you where I'm taking it you'll find out when we get there well I don't want to go <laughs> so all this planning that I had this image in my mind of this perfect experience I was going to give her and you know it wasn't it wasn't like I wasn't putting myself out too I, I also had things to do and things to do the next day or whatever but the fact that she would not go along with that after I had it perfectly planned out was really really disappointing and so for an hour maybe for an hour I was milling about doing different things and I'd come back to her and say grab your jacket come on let's go no I don't want to I want you to tell me where we're going I said, I, I don't want to tell you where I'm going. If I tell you where we're going, then it's not going to have the effect that I want it to have on you. Well, I need to know where we're going. So finally I said, all right, well, uh, we're not going then. Then she really wanted to know what we were, <laughs> what I had in mind. And when I finally told her, it, it was too late. It was, there was no doing it then. Both because by now it's, it's even later than it was before. And also because the very nature of telling her what the plan was completely changes the nature of the whole experience, you see. So but once I told her, it was done. There was no doing it. And uh, she regretted that for many years after that. And, you know, that was, that was a fault of hers, was that she had a hard time surrendering and being spontaneous you know she had to have things very planned out before she'd want to do them and uh, I, I think that robbed her of a lot of experiences in life and a lot of spontaneous memorable experiences so I hope where you know wherever she is whatever she's doing I hope that uh, that's something that she has analyzed and addressed because so much of the beauty in life the the things that you really carry around with you for a long time are those spontaneous things aren't they they're the things that maybe you don't feel like doing but you do it anyway and you kind of do it on a whim and it turns out to be a truly enriching experience so anyway the snow made me think of that um fellers if you're listening why don't you do that some night load up your your pickup truck with plenty of blankets and water, maybe a bottle of wine. Go into the house, uh, grab your girl by the hand and say, come here, uh, come with me. And she'll say, why, where where are we going? Well, uh, just somewhere. It's a surprise. Put on your jacket. And as you're driving along, don't tell her where you're going. Are we going here? Are we going there? She'll be trying to figure it out. It, it'll be exciting, youthful. And then drive her onto a back road uh, somewhere where there's nobody. Pull up under the stars with the snow falling all around you. And then make love to her like, uh, like there's only two of you in the entire universe. And that there is nothing better in the universe than being with her right there in that moment devouring each other's bodies like wild animals it can really be an experience that neither one of you ever forget
Well, let's get into today's topic. What is quiet BPD? Quiet BPD is a bullshit term. (laughs) It's a bullshit term that the psychological professional community as a group has come up with to confuse people into believing that there are different types of borderline personality disorder. And things like this also serve to make the professional community as a group seem like they are wise about things that in reality they don't seem to understand at all on even the most fundamental levels. And I'm not exaggerating my criticism there. Let's talk first of all about what things borderline personality disorder is not. Okay? What is borderline personality disorder not? It is not a mental illness. The professional community insists that it is a mental illness in their official literature. It is not a mental health issue. The professional community insists that it is a mental health issue. In fact, if you'll notice, the professional community insists that literally everything we as human beings experience that is not strictly physical is mental. It's a mental health issue. Because of the way this misdirects society from understanding the true nature of the issues that society deals with, this is malpractice on the part of the professional community. Borderline personality disorder is not an inseparable part of you. For example, it's not a result of your genetics. The professional community will both insinuate that it is genetic with speculation as well as come right out and state that it is genetic. Borderline personality disorder is not its symptoms such as fear of abandonment or inability to control, you know, control, I say in quotes, one's feelings and inability to experience intimacy and so on. I put uh, control in air quotes because nobody can control their feelings. That, that's not a real thing. That's not an ability that human beings possess. The, the people that you see who seem to be in control are not controlling what they feel. They're controlling how they behave, but they're not controlling what they feel. The professional community seems to focus almost exclusively on symptoms. Borderline personality disorder is not something that people have no choice but to live with forever and ever and to simply learn coping strategies for. It also is not something that is possible for people to have, in varying degrees, intensities, and so forth. Whatever the professional community, as a group, incompetently tries to convince you about the true nature of borderline personality disorder or of emotional disorder, it's not that. So, I've told you several things that borderline personality disorder is not, and in a minute, I'm going to explain the reason it is none of those things, and at the same time, 
I'm going to tell you the truth about what borderline personality disorder is for real. I'll also concretely answer the question about quiet borderline personality disorder and I'll put that question to rest. But before I do that, let's address my thrashing of the professional community here and I'll give you my credentials in the process. If you'll notice, uh, I've made it a point to refer to the professional community as a group and the reason for this is that within that group there are many many insightful members doing good work so when I talk about the professional community in general neither you nor they should view this as a blanket assault on every single psychologist therapist and so on in fact I myself have a few unusually insightful psychologists to thank for a couple of my own early insights which eventually led to me being cured of borderline personality disorder once and for all. That's right. I myself had borderline personality disorder. It was as interwoven into my life as any person ever has had it and now I really don't. So those are my credentials. And I can tell you this unequivocally. I did not manage to authentically rid myself of the disorder by refusing to consider if the lies we've already discussed were not lies or by refusing to consider if many of the quote-unquote experts on this subject were not just a fool a bunch of baloney. The truth is, had I not reached a place where I was willing to begin questioning them, if I had continued listening to the quote-unquote experts and trusting them completely, I would still be living with borderline personality disorder and I would have forever continued living with it. Just think about that. So our expert groups that society has set up to help us with you know various issues are failing us in an obnoxious way. Why is this? It's because the bar is set too low for those carrying out the job. The qualifications are all superficial and you can't teach or test for insight. In my case, the accumulative effects of living with borderline personality disorder for over 35 years completely unaware reached a crescendo and uh, I suffered a major life crisis in the process I lost everything in my life that I cared about at that time including my wife Diana who we just talked about uh, who I wanted to take and make love to in the snow this crisis that I experienced was what first awoke me to the fact that uh, I had been dealing with some internal thing for my entire life that could no longer be ignored. I resolved not only to figure out what that thing was, but to understand it completely so as to utterly rid myself of it permanently and forever and never have to deal with anything like it again. Over the course of roughly seven years, more or less, I accomplished this. And so that's why I do this work now under the banner of the last symptom. 
It's to help other people gain the insights that I worked so hard for in my own experience so that they might accomplish the same in even less time and with fewer misdirections and lies to sort through. Think about uh, what the experience of authentic recovery must have been like for me. All of the information I must have consumed. It, uh, you know, I had access to the same information that you do. Think about the process I must have gone through in identifying information as erroneous, misdirection, or simply irrelevant, and separating all that stuff from accurate and relevant information, and then pairing these things with personal experience and real application in life. Imagine the profound subtleties I had to come to understand and to take into consideration after all. I was not doing this work in order to gain prominence, experience some sense of professional accomplishment, or for a paycheck. Why was I doing it? I was doing it because my life, my very life, my future, depended on it. I had personally and excruciatingly been affected directly by these things, and I was determined to never again have to experience such pain from the same causes ever. And since then, my purpose has evolved even more. I don't want to participate. I don't want to be a participant, an actor in emotional unhealth ever again. I won't be. So why have I asked you to take this little stroll with me in your imagination? Well, it's because I want you to understand that you're not listening to the words of somebody senselessly talking out of his butt. If I tell you that some popular or broadly embraced thing about borderline personality disorder is bullshit, well then it is. What I share, I share because it has the potential to completely reorient you in your own recovery and help you escape the deviations you see that have been caused by the subtle yet powerful misinformation out there. So what is quiet borderline personality disorder? In order to understand the answer to this question, you first have to understand what borderline personality disorder is, right? So earlier we discussed a few things that it is not. Now let's discuss what it is, but not what you've been told it is, but what it is for real. It is an emotional disorder. Notice, not not a mental illness. It has nothing to do with your brain malfunctioning. It's an emotional disorder. Number two, it is an emotional health issue. Again, it involves emotional issues, not mental issues. It has nothing to do with your brain malfunctioning or your brain behaving differently than any other physically healthy person's brain. Number three, it is the direct result 
of the unhealthy attitudes of our parents or caregivers and the messages those unhealthy attitudes communicated to us, which we then adopted ourselves as children to help us understand the very nature of some fundamental aspects of life like feelings, self, and life. Though some people with borderline personality disorder have had very specific negative experiences that certainly left an impression which they might identify as trauma, it is not the trauma itself that is relevant. The only thing that is relevant for authentic recovery is the attitudes, the attitudes behind any traumatic incident which allowed that incident to occur at all. In other words, trauma, which the professional community loves to hold up and emphasize as being all important, is in reality almost utterly unimportant as far as truly recovering from this emotional disorder goes. You see, the value in focusing upon and analyzing any specific trauma is in understanding the attitudes that had to have been behind those incidents. The attitudes that those responsible for us lived with which allowed the trauma to occur at all. You see, you were being negatively influenced by, educated by, and receiving a constant stream of messaging from those unhealthy attitudes when just in isolated moments like in these traumatic memories you've got no all of the time think about it even while you were sitting at the kitchen table eating breakfast and your parents were around you were still being negatively influenced by those same underlying attitudes not just in instances of trauma. You see, this is where your emotional education came from, which forms the very foundation of borderline personality disorder. It is an unhealthy, inaccurate understanding about the very nature of three things. Got a pen? uh, Grab your pen or make a note of this. Borderline personality disorder is an unhealthy, inaccurate understanding about the very nature of three things. One, feelings. Two, self. Three, life. Now, I don't want this program to get too long tonight, but when I say feelings, I'm not just talking about your feelings. I'm talking about, by extension, the way you perceive all feelings in general. The nature of feelings. When I say self, I'm not just talking about yourself. I'm talking about how you view people as individuals, including yourself. The very nature of what being a person is. So, because one lives with an erroneous, unhealthy understanding of the nature of these fundamental aspects of living, their approach to life can only be disharmonious with the results one hopes to experience. The chaos and disorder in unhealthy people's lives are direct 
indisputable evidence of this. Next one up. Borderline personality disorder is something you inherited. Now, inherited and genetic are not synonymous. Do you know some other things you've inherited? Well, your culture, for one. Yeah, your culture is an inherited aspect of your life. And it's appropriate that I use culture as an example because all people with borderline personality disorder inherited their unhealthy perceptions about the nature of fundamental elements of life just as one inherits culture or any other learned aspect of life. For those who will pointlessly engage in the genetic argument, let me remind you that science has proven that our experiences can alter our DNA. Do you know what that means in any practical sense? It means that any discussion about genetics is misdirection and pointless. Why? Because scientists say our experiences can alter our DNA. <laughs> really, the genetic argument is simply an elaborate insinuation that borderline personality disorder is something you were born with, that you're stuck with, or both. It is a tremendously destructive lie trying to make you believe that the disorder is an inherent part of who and what you are rather than the truth that it doesn't involve anything inherent to you. It's, there's nothing inherently wrong with you. You simply learned some things poorly by poor teachers. Now, those with emotional disorders who argue that uh, this doesn't apply to them because their parents are great and wonderful and, and uh, are as healthy as could be and loving and all this stuff, they, they only do this from ignorance and denial. You see, they wouldn't know emotionally unhealthy parents from a hole in the wall because they know nothing else. They have never been educated to know what to look for. And even if they were, denial often kicks in and blinds one to it anyway. Moving on to another thing borderline personality disorder is. It is its underlying cause. It is not its symptoms. To put it another way, the symptoms of borderline personality disorder are problematic, but they ain't the problem. What is the problem? Well, it's whatever is causing the symptoms, right? And what is that? It's the following two erroneous subconscious or unconscious fundamental certainties or perceptions that all people with the disorder live with. Number one, my feelings are inherently irrelevant and shameful, devoid of inherent worth. Number two, if my feelings are inherently irrelevant and shameful, devoid of inherent worth, then so am I. Now, it may be hard for you to believe that the entirety of everything that borderline personality disorder is springs from these two simple fundamental misconceptions or misperceptions. Nevertheless, 
if you were to eliminate these underlying false beliefs in any person with borderline personality disorder and replace them instead with two accurate healthy fundamental beliefs you would see a person who once lived with borderline personality disorder become entirely cured and you would see every symptom every symptom eliminated completely just like removing a splinter can cause swelling and pain to go away now let me ask you in regard to the original question about quiet borderline personality disorder is there any such thing as a person only slightly believing that they and their feelings are inherently without worth if you believe that yes this is possible then you clearly don't understand what inherent means or a misperception involving things of inherent nature inherent means an innate or inseparable aspect of a thing fire is hot hot is an inherent aspect of fire it's an inseparable inherent part of what simply makes fire what it is so is it possible then to have fire that is only partly hot no this is this is not anything that exists anywhere in the realm of possibility if you find something that is only partly hot <laughs> it might be lots of things but I know what it's not it's it ain't fire it has to be something else and why because hot is an intrinsic aspect of what fire simply is so back uh, to the person being described as having quiet borderline personality disorder is it possible that they have borderline personality disorder any differently at all than any person with borderline personality disorder now while you're thinking about that question I'd like you to remember symptoms of borderline personality disorder are not what make borderline personality disorder what it is what does make borderline personality disorder what it is its underlying cause right what is its underlying cause two inaccurate unhealthy fundamental beliefs that every person with borderline personality disorder and in fact all emotional disorders you know we've been talking all through this show about borderline personality disorder but this all applies to all emotional disorders so the underlying cause are the two inaccurate unhealthy fundamental beliefs that every person with emotional disorder lives with and we just got finished uh, defining those since these two beliefs involve how a person perceives and understands inherent aspects of feelings and self is there any such thing as a person believing that he or she is only partially devoid of inherent worth can fire only partially be hot no 
and you're never going to partially perceive it that way. There is no such thing as people only partially perceiving themselves as devoid of inherent value. Now, there is such a thing as people not being conscious of what their underlying perceptions are regarding inherent things, but not being conscious of what one's perceptions are is not the same as not having those perceptions. It just means they haven't identified them yet. So the bottom line is that every single person with borderline personality disorder has the disorder equally. They are all living with the same two erroneous, fundamental, subconscious or unconscious beliefs that are the cause of the entirety of emotional disorder. These two beliefs, which are from which all of this is springing, is constant, and it does not ebb and flow in intensity. Anybody who suggests, insinuates, speculates, or outright asserts that there are people with different types of borderline personality disorder or that there are different degrees of the disorder lacks insight and does not truly understand the very nature of what borderline personality disorder is in any authentic way. In reality, there, there's no spectrum that people fall along in terms of emotional disorders because spectrum is a superficial, pointless measure of symptoms, individuality, and lots of external factors, right? Uh, what's going on in my life is not the same thing that's going on in your life. The levels of stress that I'm experiencing are not the same as the levels of stress you're experiencing. Uh, the social etiquette that forms my cultural background is not maybe the same social etiquette that forms your uh, cultural background. You see, lots of uh, superficial external things that spectrums measure. But spectrums do not accurately have anything whatsoever to do with underlying causes, which really is the only relevant information at all in terms of authentic recovery. So, quiet borderline personality disorder is simply a person being more effective at hiding what is going on inside of himself or herself more than somebody else who is living with the exact same underlying mis perceptions about life. And how is this possible? Well, it's possible in the same way that one person might cry when you hit his hand with a hammer, while another person clutches his hand and hops around in silence. That's the only thing happening there. Two people experiencing the same things internally exhibiting it in different ways. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's the show. I was playing around with the idea of uh, reading you some poetry tonight as a closing, but the show has uh, gone pretty long tonight, and uh, you're probably tired of listening to me anyway tonight. So I'm going to bow out while I'm still in your good graces, but I'm going to hope you a very good weekend. 
and I hope you'll do something nice for yourself. And I'm glad you listened to the show this week. Thank you so much. Tell your friends about it. I'll see you next week, right about the same time, same place. You folks take care. Mm-hmm.